In October, the cannabis industry reconvened in Las Vegas for the annual trade show MJ BizCon, put on by Marijuana Business Daily. As part of that event, Business of Cannabis sat down with industry leaders at the show to discuss their business, the current state of the cannabis industry, and what they were seeing on the road ahead. This conversation was part of that series. What follows is a conversation with Nathan Meisen, the founder and CEO of Diplomat Consulting, a boutique consultancy focused on four key offerings, strategic stakeholder relations, executive strategy and advising, communications and media support, and public position. Meisen has a long history in the sector, having served in a leadership role at cannabis retailer Fire & Flower in Canada. MJ BizCon was a chance to reflect with Meisen on where the Canadian sector has been, where it's going in the context of an increasingly global cannabis sector. Nathan Meisen, we're in Las Vegas. We are. How are you? We to go international to see each other. That's true. It's kind of the way that it uh, works these days for Canadians. I have Canadian. so many people here that are from Toronto that I haven't seen in two years since the last time we were here. That's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Well, hopefully we get to that opportunity at Lyft so that we can see everybody there, but... You mean I, the, the show We Dare Not Speak It's Name? That's fine. I'm sure some people will be there. You know, it's funny you say that because today is the first trade show in Toronto. Really? Not cannabis, but like it's the meeting planners international. Oh, interesting. They were the first show to open up at the trade, at the convention center. Yeah. Seems like a momentous event. It it does feel like a momentous event. Does that mean that we finally turned the corner? But because as an Albertan, we're really scared of turning the corner. Well, it seems like the other way. I think we probably did in Ontario. And then I came here and I'm going to bring it all back. Fucking hope not. It seems different though, doesn't it? It does seem different. Did you did you see Betting Bruiser? No. Betting Bruiser was here, announced that uh, he didn't feel well when he woke up this morning and he got a, an anti, uh, a rapid antigen test and has COVID. But then he didn't get it here. Right, unless he's been here five days, right? Look, well, we're all getting tested tomorrow to go home, so shit. Anyway, I didn't, interview, <laughs> I didn't interview him, so did you see him when you were here? I haven't seen, I haven't seen him. I've seen him. I was, it was all over Twitter. Yeah, I believe it. Um, were you here in 2019? I was. And what do you think are some of the biggest changes the se- sector has seen mm-hmm. since then? Or what feels different than Tory pandemic notwithstanding? What seemed different? I think there's just simply there's more places in the States that are actually going to be selling cannabis. That's pretty significant. And it's interesting in the fact that I think one of my uh, clear observations here is the prevalence of early stage cultivation. Because when you walk to the trade show floors, it's about agriculture, yeah. industrialization, selling machinery, selling, yeah. extraction. It's about the early stages of processing. cultivation yeah. and processing. And I think it's interesting. There's very barely any retailers here. And there's barely any producers here. It's it's very interesting that you can see that the, the market is expanded because they're pandering to the people who are coming into the industry again, which is interesting. So... I, I think it's a, an interesting foil in the fact that it feels like there's a little bit of deficiency in the people that have already been in the sector for a while and the conversations that are around that. But I think that's what networking and events are primarily for. Yeah. It's funny because 2019, we were here last, like a whole bunch of states have come online. Some states are like us that are big states that are yeah. groundbreaking. And yet I've been in New York. We did some stuff in South Dakota. The conversations happening in the states seem like Canada 2017, 2018, which I think is normal, but they keep getting replicated over and over again. Where, where is retail going to be? Where are dispensaries going to be able to operate? Where's cultivation going to go? What about manufacturing process? What about insurance? What about banking? Like all the same questions. And all the same, um, bad answers. <laughs> yeah. Bad, all the same, um, mistakes. 
Yes. Right? Like I, the prevalence of cultivation yeah. and overgrowing. Fair. It's like, hey, does anybody look north? I know we're up there and it's, sometimes it's hard well, to look up. But, the same thing. Like it, yeah. But like, we have a billion extra grams of cannabis in Canada right now. Yeah, we could flood the market down here. We could flood the market down here. And industrial prices in the three years of legalization, which by the way, happy anniversary, yeah. September, our uh, Sunday was uh, our three-year anniversary, um, has gone from $10 to less than a dollar a gram. Like that's going to happen here. And what's the consequences of that? So, uh, you know, I think this, it's an interesting opportunity for us to start having that North American conversation. Cause you said since 2019, Mexico was already also has a semi-legalized yeah. base. Yeah. So we have a North American opportunity to have a conversation. Yep. Being the fact that it's cannabis, we all live in our silos and we don't talk to each other. And there's some real opportunities to learn some lessons across the North American space. And it doesn't seem like we're having those conversations yet. No. Uh, one of the other conversations that we really didn't, I don't think really had seriously in Canada, but is now driving the conversation in New York and New Jersey and some other places is around social equity and social justice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, um, we had an event in New York and folks spoke about that. And it is a core to what they're doing in New York. And part of it is looking to other states to see what they did right, but more figure out what they did wrong and not doing that again. But also there, this is a policy. So I, I'm asking you specifically. There is a, there's a hesitance on regulators and elected officials to say, we want these people, a, a policy, we want them out of the black market as a regulated yep. but that's the policy. Yet the, uh, the tax structure, the regulations, all the things mm -hmm. are barriers to doing that. Absolutely. And like, is, is there a solve for that? And, and in one of the key ones is money. Like many of these people have lots and lots of money. Like if you say, we're going to take your money or tax your money or arrest you because you, it's ill-gotten gains, like you defeat the purpose of the policy goals. Like, like I, I'm not sure the, these, these issues may be intractable, but we did talk about them in New York. Like, how do you solve that? I, I think there's definitely ways to do it. I, and so I, one of the clearest ways, and you, you hit the nail on the head is, and we, and I think the, there's an opportunity to continue to have that conversation in Canada, um, where there has been a real failure in social equity yeah. and uh, social inclusion, right? Like health Canada has said, Hey, we really failed in this. This right. is something that we're going to fix on our three-year uh, anniversary, um, a tax holiday for the first three years. Yeah. Like don't do any taxes for the first three years or take the taxes and then drop them into education, advancement, grants, and social bursaries, right? There is ways to actually use the cannabis sector's money to breed inclusion and opportunity to transition people. The barriers for entry should be as easy as possible for the legacy market to come into the legal market because I don't know if people know this, especially on the regulated side, the people in the illegal and legacy market, they don't pay taxes and they have no regulations that they have. So anyway, it's not that there shouldn't be any barriers, but uh, like we were talking- Mids and bull there. We were talking to, um, they're open by saying this. So like we were talking to Fritz, right? They just launched their gummies in Ontario. They were a legacy operator. They came in their garage, like in their basement basically. And they were describing like just the, you know, you need to, you need to bring sugar into the facility. The sugar needs to be, you know, you know, the right sugar yep. to be scooped with the right thing. Like yep. all those things. I understand all that, but like, if you were doing not that now to get to that is, is a massive leap and a really a challenging one. Like, but don't you think that's some, uh, but I think that's one of the interesting things. Gummies are a great example. Um, so I think one of the most interesting conversations that isn't happening in the States, um, is. Canada legalized based on medicinal, 
Right. And recreational came second. Right. Here, it seems we're pushing recreational and then medical come second. Right. So we built our facilities based on medical pharmaceutical facilities. And then we're like, hey, these facilities can be used for adult use recreation. Right. We'll move the boat. As opposed to the other way around. As opposed to the other way around. Colorado, you can have dogs walking around your barrel. But I think one of the things that is interesting about that is food regulations aren't as stringent as pharmaceutical regulation. They're stringent, but they're not as stringent. So maybe start defining different pieces of the sector because we've gotten to a point where we're mature enough, we've been responsible enough, we've shown that we can comply in incredible regulatory stringents that maybe we need to drop that and look at other sectors for parallels to be like, hey, those gummies that we're going to produce, let's look at anybody else who's going to produce gummies that are going to be fed by humans anywhere and let's adhere to the system and then let's talk about adding cannabis. Yeah. And... That might also open up more people to enter the market because the facility, like having to have a whole separate facility, like. That's insane. So we're pushing really hard on the redefining what cannabis tourism and hospitality is. And I love the future of, um, I'm going to open and run an infused restaurant with a tasting station or a dosing station where you're actually having dosed meals and cocktails presented to you in a responsibly regulated way. Holy heck, how the hell are we going to get to that in the structure that we have now? You're going to have to have a separate kitchen outside of the kitchen that's going to do the infusion, and then you're going to have to have a tester. Like, there's not even a linear path to have that yet. But so the do we think about that when we add wine into a cocoa vent? Right. Do they have to have a separate kitchen to do that? So let's start looking for parallels and and advancing the conversation where we start treating cannabis as it's uranium and it has to be treated with that kind of level of strictness. And we look at other inebriates and for it's, that opportunity. The guy that was in before you, um, he runs, uh, they have 30 to, uh, 26 stores in Michigan. They have a cultivation of about a million square feet yep. of canopy, indoor and outdoor. And they, we didn't even talk about this with them, but they just signed a deal with uh, a concert venue. Like, and, I th- and in Canada, there are people actively doing workarounds to like the yep. regular workarounds, my word, complying within, I think in Saskatchewan, there's someone that delivering the parking lots yep. at, a, at a concert, right? Um, we talked, I'm not even going to tell you the province because I don't want you to narrow it down who it is. They are going to golf outings mm-hmm. with a tablet on the first hole, order your cannabis and delivering to the ninth hole. Yep. Like, and there's even compliant ways underneath the rules to get to that point or yeah. be okay with that. Right. Point. But the problem is we've had to, so it's interesting in the fact that just quickly, it, we're at the three year anniversary of the cannabis act, which means that we're actually reviewing the cannabis. Right. Act. Okay. Are we? Cannabis, well, so yeah, that's a great, that's a whole different conversation there, but, um, the, the Cannabis Act primarily cares about cultivation. It cares about growing. Right. It cares about the actual product. The provinces, Love. or our interaction yeah. with retail yeah. and actually serving the consumers, aren't doing anything or talking about reflection. Yeah. So what's happening is the sector is advancing without the regulators being involved in the process, to your words, creating workarounds because the market is moving in that direction but nobody else is for the people who actually write the policy. Yeah. So we have to have a real significant conversation about like live event service, cannabis catering, uh, cannabis tourism and hospitality, spa experiences, like all of those. Why can't I go and have a massage with a THC lotion? 
Yeah. Can somebody explain that? Why I can't do it? Well, because a doctor doesn't prescribe. I guess that you can give them the stuff. Yeah, you're <laughs> absolutely you can. You know, it's interesting because I, um, I was thinking about this today because this first conference in Toronto since yep. the pandemic and the, it, it's overlaps with this huge uptake in downtown Toronto retail, oh, yeah. cannabis retail. What are, what are show like independent of what you're talking like, how are shows when they give a list of different services in the yep. neighborhood, what are they telling people? And, and why couldn't, you know, there's a million retailers. So pick which one, fire flower, your old stomping grounds, harder with shows to become the dedicated cannabis delivery people. Well, that'd be marketing and potentially kids could see it. So that would be wrong. And we'd be outside of the act, but you know what, you might know how old the people are. I, I, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy that we haven't talked about the fact that it, again, anything that anybody else can do that's legal. Why can't cannabis? Because it's just another legal process. See, now you're going to be all worked up. <laughs> well, that's just what we have. That's why it's fun. Nathan, I want to say thank you uh, for <laughs> coming to Vegas so I could see you as opposed to coming to Toronto where I could also see you, but we'll get to that in, in good time. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for being here. Enjoy the THC massage. I'm looking forward to it. That was Nathan Meisen, the founder and CEO of Diplomat Consulting, recorded MJ BizCon 2021. This podcast was recorded at MJ BizCon in Las Vegas in October 2021. For more information about Business of Cannabis, please visit businessofcannabis.com and follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram.